Here-e-go-loo-be-loo, here-e-go-loo-be-light, here-e-go-loo-be-loo, all on a Saturday night. Hello, this is Luby with Luby's Lullabies podcast. I said to you just the other day that I was going to introduce a couple of other books to you, which I'm about to do this morning. And they are, they're quite different. And I have to give you a bit of a word of warning about the first one I'm going to uh, mention, because it is a bit gruesome. And even I thought it was a bit gruesome in parts. However, it was an interesting storyline, and I'm going to talk about it. And it's called The Jigsaw Man. And this is by Nadine Matheson. And let me just tell you a little bit about her first of all. I'll just read you what it says about her biography. She was born and lives in London and is a criminal solicitor. So that's quite interesting to start with. In 2016, she won the City University Crime Writing Competition and completed the Creative Writing Crime Thriller Novels um, MA at City University of London with a distinction in 2018. In 2019, The Jigsaw Man was won by HarperCollins in a six-publisher auction. The best-selling Jigsaw Man was published in 2021, so quite recent, and has been translated already into 15 languages. Her second book, which I haven't read, is called The Binding Room, um, featuring the same uh, detective in there, D.I. Henley, and Serial Crimes Unit was published in July 2022. I might give that a read as and when and how. However, in the meantime, let me just tell you a little bit about the Jigsaw Man, with my word of warning. So there's a serial killer on the loose. When bodies start washing up along the banks of the River Thames, D.I. Henley fears it is the work of Peter Olivier, the notorious jigsaw killer. But it can't be him. Olivier is already behind bars, and Henley was the one who put him there. The race is on before more bodies are found. She'd hoped she'd never have to see his face again, but Henley knows Olivia might be the best chance they have of stopping the copycat killer. But when Olivia learns of the new murders, helping Henley is the last thing on his mind. Will it take a killer to catch the killer? Now all bets are off and the race is on to catch the killer before the body count rises. But who will get there first, Henley or the jigsaw killer? So it is a crime fiction. It's rather dark and it does hit the spot in a big way. Um, bit of a page turner, but I'm not so sure you're going to really say you enjoy the page turning. However, you know, all books are worth a mention, aren't they? So it's well paced and it's well plotted and you you'll need to turn you'll need to leave the lights on it says on one of the excerpts and I would think you probably would do it's quite a good book The Jigsaw Man by Nadine Matheson that's M-A-T-H-E-S-O-N that was my first book of the day and the second one is it's not grim but it's a, a bit of a dark story again in a different completely different way it's called The Safe House the Safe House by Louise Mumford. And I'm going to read you just a little bit about her, if I can just find it. Louise Mumford. Here we go. So, Louise grew up in Caerphilly in Wales. From a young age, she loved books and dancing, but hated having to go to sleep, convinced that she might miss out on something interesting happening in the world while she dozed, much to her mother's frustration. She studied English literature at university and graduated with first-class honours. As a teacher, she tried to pass on her love of reading to her students and discovered that the secret to successful teaching is 
stickers. <laughs> She's aware that that is essentially bribery. Louise lives in Cardiff with her husband and spends her time trying to get down on paper all the marvellous and frightening things that happen in her head. Her debut, an unputabound psychological th uh, thriller, Sleepless, le uh, leapt into the number one slot of the Amazon pre-order bestseller charts, was selected for the Crane Karen Slaughter Killer Reed, promoted and has been optioned for TV by Insurrection Media. So this is not that book, it's called The Safe House and it is um, from 2022, so fairly recent, her second book obviously. And let me tell you a little bit about this. Again, it's a very intriguing book. It's twisty turny and yeah, it's a good book. It's a good it's a good read. The house keeps us safe, she says. There's nothing left for us outside. Esther is safe in the house. For 16 years, she and her mother have lived off the grid, protected from the dangers of the outside world. For 16 years, Esther has never seen another living soul until today. Today there's a man outside the house, a man who knows Esther's name and who proves that her mother's claims about the outside world are false, a man who is telling Esther that she's living, she's been living a lie. Is her mother keeping Esther safe or keeping her prisoner? Well, this is the start of it and it is, as I say, quite a good read. So let me see if I can read a little bit on the first, maybe the uh, let me see the first chapter 16 years earlier oh dear let me just see how long this is because it's quite a no, no no let me go there was a killer prowling around their terraced house Esther's mother told her it pressed itself against their windows slithered over the bricks and licked at the door knocker the only thing to do was escape we're going to go far away and live among the trees would you like that the trees mother asked wrapping a scarf around her five-year-old Esther's mouth and nose, so she couldn't have answered even if she wanted to. Esther had no opinion on trees. She had opinions about the best food to eat it for dinner, the best colour in the universe, and who Mr Whiffles, her toy whale, had fallen out with that day. But trees? She saw a few scraggly ones from her bedroom window. They moved in the wind and shook their branches like they were laughing at her. Maybe they were. But tonight, all Esther could see were the flames. You're going to have to carry some things. The rest will leave behind. Her mother poured Esther's arms through the rucksack, which she had picked up all by herself. It had whales on it too. She could have, she could have helped hoist the bag onto her own shoulders, but she remained a dead weight. She wanted to stay here at home, even with the killer. Home had her bedroom with its deep-sea diver wallpaper and the bit of carpet that poured up to reveal a hiding space under the floorboards. There was going to be no carpet in the new house. All the floors were going to be smooth, dust-free and easy to clean, so Mother said. This was Esther's fault. But Dad, her father had raced off into the night. Mother had told her, gone to help, straight into the heart of the fiery monster that lay beyond their living room window. Your father will follow us, he promised. Right, we're going to open the door now, then it's straight to the car. But you can't take the scarf off, even when you're in there, clear? Esther's fault. The new house is so much safer for you, Pips. I should have done this years ago, uh, because the killer... Oh, dear. Um, the killer outside, it wanted her particularly. The new house would protect her. It was a fortress, built to keep out the enemy. Except the enemy wasn't a hordle of people with guns and bombs. It wasn't a nuclear blast or flood or even the fire outside. It was the air. 
Got it, her mother asked, and Esther's hand instinctively went to her pocket where she kept her inhaler. Even though she didn't need to check, it was always there. Her mother handed her the goggles and she put them on. Esther liked them le at least. It made her feel like the divers on her wallpaper in the room that she didn't want to leave. She wasn't ready to dive, but it was over in seconds. Her mother pulled her and caught in the current she bobbed along in her wake. Outside the world had changed. There was smoke, of course, but there had always been smoke. Esther felt the grip of that hand that squeezed her chest and she wheezed, reaching for the comforting shape of her inhaler, each breath something that threatened to squeeze out all the air from her body. The sky was no longer black, but a fiery, cloudy orange. Her mother bundled her into the back of the car, belted her into the child seat and started the engine at the same time as clicking her own belt into place. It was hard to turn her head in the scarf, but Esther did her best, trying to look back one last time at the small house that had been theirs. And then, briefly, she really was under the sea, except the sea was made of faces, hands and fumes, and the car swam through it all. But soon that passed too. Hours sped by, until dawn lightened the night sky. Concrete turned to wasteland and then bloomed green, well, greener. Esther slept through much of the journey. The roads finally ended. They bumped and jolted over a dirt track. Esther ran a finger around the edge of her scarf, her skin itchy and hot, but she wasn't brave enough to inch the material back and let in some cool air, because the killer was in the car with her. It kept her company all the way to the house. As soon as Esther saw it, she knew that it needed the capital H. They had to leave the car and walk the last part, her mother scooping her up and running her for most of the way. They could leave their home and everything they knew behind, but they wouldn't save them, save her and her weak little lungs that couldn't even do their own job properly. Things had gone too far, her mother told her. The air was too poisoned wherever they went, except for one place, and the one place only. Finally she stood before it, clutching her mother's hand, our hideaway. Her mother dragged her closer, set into the hill with earth making up most of its walls and roof, and the front of it was a black concrete face with two narrow windows. To keep you safe, Pips, her mother poured her forward into the shadow of the house. Like you're a toy, hmm, a special one, all snug in your packaging. But Esther had opened lots of those toys. The figure within pressed face first against the plastic, and every time she had almost heard each one gasp in relief as she freed them. Snug was not a new word to Esther, but the that day, standing in front of the house, it did not mean cosy and protected. It meant trapped. Just her and her mother in the house in the hill. A prayer each day. To what do we give thanks? The house. What protects the air we breathe? The house. What gives us plants and water and power and comfort? The house. What keeps us safe? The house. Princesses in their towers always pined for their escape in the fairy tales behind her mother, her fairy tales her mother used to read her, and for a long time she had not understood why. Out there was a smog-filled thicket of thorns waiting to wrap around her throat. There was nothing for her there, her mother said. The house was her world, and she would never need to leave it again. And that is how it was for the next 16 years. Oh my goodness, so it's a very different sort of novel, and it is quite intriguing. And it's a little bit 
it's not scary, but it's quite frightening in, in as much as how people's minds can work and how they can take control. And this is what it really is all about. And the relationship between her and her mother, and it was a loving relationship. Um, you can't, you know, dispute that at all. But it was very strange. And you will read it, hopefully, and find out what I'm talking about because it was an intriguing book. So this is called The Safe House by Louise Mumford. And those are the two books I wanted to talk to you about today. And I'm currently on a completely different book to, at the moment. Not quite finished. And I will delight in telling you about it because it is quite a novel and it's quite different and it's quite upbeat which makes a change for some of the downbeat sort of books I've been reading lately so thank you very much for listening to me today this is Luby at Luby's Lullabies podcast thank you